five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. We're going to be talking about direct mail today. <clears throat> what a surprise, you know, but stay with me. Uh, probably we'll have a few interesting comments and maybe you'll learn a little bit. So, uh, but before we do that, you know, just to start off the day, let's go over to the uh, creepy commercials that I found. This is for a product you squirt in milk. <clears throat> Some crusher, a little crusher. Milk keeps me fit and tastes so great. I want some crusher, a glass of crusher. It's tough enough to make milk shake. Hard milk, I will crush her. Okay, post metaverse, meta poised to lay off thousands more. So they laid off about 11,000 in uh, November. Or 13% of its global workforce, which, you know, so they had, you know, they had like 100,000 people working at Meta, almost, and uh, and so they lost 24 billion over the past two years. Just shows you what you can do with money. You can lose it investing in silly stuff, and uh, a bunch of financial. In, uh, but Zuckerberg confirmed the company's shift to focus on regenerative. Artificial intelligence, okay? So they're jumping on the chat GPT kind of bandwagon. And uh, it's a massive pullback from its failed strategic focus on the metaverse, okay? So if you didn't dive into that, which I, you know, if you listen to me, you probably wouldn't have dived into it. Uh, but now it's going to explore AI iterations. And uh, one of the things we know about AI is that it's tricky to make money with, okay? Um so anyway, now you're up on the on the latest news. This was an interesting article by Todd Wasserman from Media Post. And he said, imagine you're driving around at lunchtime and Google Maps alerts you to a Taco Bell nearby. Okay, I use Waze, um, partly because it was better internationally when I was traveling internationally one time in Costa Rica. Um, but anyway, Taco Bell nearby, would you, there's a promotion offering a free taco. Would you stop? I guess it might depend on what else I had to eat. Um, but if you're like most consumers, you wouldn't stop. At least according to a survey by Marigold, some 67% of respondents said ads based on location data are creepy. You know, I guess in ways you, you, you assume, you know, you, you, you allow them to use your location data to get around you know and uh nothing worse than when the gps in your car doesn't know where you are um so you know i think it's sort of okay with on your gps uh it only comes up when you're at a stoplight or stop sign or something when you actually stop and so oftentimes it isn't up on the screen very much right um so I don't know. You know, there are ads. When I get down to Chicago area, there and then there's a lot of ads. Where I live, there aren't any ads. <laughs> there, there, there's a Taco Bell only, you know, like 15 minutes from me. So, <clears throat> but um, anyway, the Washington Post <clears throat> reported on a study by Duke University, uh, which said that 79% of respondents. 79% of respondents said that offering recommendations based on past purchases are cool. So if you were a Taco Bell 
customer, regular customer, then you probably would, yeah, stop. I would think so. Although it's hard to make those two connections. I don't know that you can just upload your your uh, your customers to Waze and have them get the alerts that are related to your products when they're near your store. I don't know that that's the case. Um, and I don't know that I've ever taken any advantage of any Waze offers. I don't think so. Um, but most respondents also said that personalized offers after they've been on a brand site for more than two minutes are cool. I've never seen that happen, but maybe I don't spend that much time. You know, if you're wandering around and they pop up and take an extra 10% off, well, yeah, I guess you'd say that would be okay. <clears throat> most consumers said they would trade personal and preference data in exchange for discounts and coupons. Something to keep in mind when you're trying to gather first-party data. You know, offer something. Um, you know, we we uh, we managed some pharmacy marketing for, for small independent pharmacies. And, um, you know, we'd encourage them to build a mailing list. And, you know, you just, just offer them a... <laughs> You know, offer them a candy at the cash register and say, you know, if you put your email on here or whatever in your address, you can have a candy. People will do amazing things. Um, loyalty rewards, 91%. You know, we've got the pig card at the Piggly Wiggly. And uh, or exclusive access to products and services, 86%. Or the opportunity to win a prize, 83%. Okay, so there's some... Um, I. I was going to, Craig Huey had an article about how 90% or 95% of of mailers don't use an offer like that, uh, something for free information, he said. Um, but I find these rewards to be more compelling. I think I agree with the study. So most off online uh, shoppers will offer their email, gender, and name, maybe not a real email, in exchange for discounts. Overall, consumers want some familiarity with a brand before they're willing to offer personal details that might be of use to marketers. And that's the way that goes. Okay, and we're going to finish up with this article by Andy Cody, <clears throat> Designing Effective Direct Mail Campaigns and uh, Best Practices <coughs> Excuse me, for Targeting, Delivering, and Measuring Success. And he's got a... Uh, so his first step, is to define your market, define your target audience, and uh, you know if you've been in it a while, you might that might be your first step. Um, if you haven't, then one of the one of the key mistakes that people make when they're deciding to try direct mail, because there are a lot of different ways to approach your mailing list, um, geographically, uh, there's lots of um, supposed lists supposed lists uh, that offer you all kinds of insights, you know, uh, who listens to talk radio, who studies their Bible every day. You know, I've I've tried all kinds of lists and uh, those are mostly called compiled lists and mostly they don't work, even if they're they seem to be really right on, you know, like charitable contributions to you're trying to raise money for a Christian organization. And you say, well, let's get those people that read their Bible regularly. Well, there's two problems with that. One problem is, you know, they're only a small, small percentage of the file because they gathered this from different sources and only so many sources, not very many sources, will ask whether you read your Bible every day. You know, and if you're like me, you think, well, 
most days. You know, sometimes on Saturday I don't. And in church, you know, they they read it to me. So maybe that doesn't count. I'm not sure. You know, so maybe you don't, maybe you leave that one blank or maybe you just feel like, I don't know why they should know that. And I don't think I'm going to tell them. Um, <clears throat> but if it was, you know, walk through the Bible in their list, maybe, you know, maybe they would offer that as a, as a, uh, a definite um, piece of information about their mailing list. If you were going to swap with them or something like that. Anyway, the point is, is that you don't really know what you're getting on a list. <clears throat> Even in your own customer file, there could be a lot of erroneous data. Um, when we worked with Cabela's, they had a little checkbox thing in their data set, whether they'd bought hunting or whether they'd bought fishing. And we found that 10%, at least 10% of those, when we actually matched those checkboxes up with the, what the actual part numbers that they'd bought <laughs> didn't match. So about 5% it said had bought fishing and hadn't. And about 5% said they hadn't bought fishing, and they had. I don't know who was doing the checkboxes. I'm assuming it was some kind of algorithm written by IT. And the, the big problem with that is is that oftentimes those things may go out of date. You know, what if you bought it four or five years ago, and uh, the part number is no longer in the table that, said, that says this is the fishing information, or, you know, is the inventory master file up to date? So <clears throat> even with first-party data and with, what you bought, which seems to be okay to use, according to that previous article, you can still have trouble getting getting it right. <clears throat> and we see that all the time with all of our clients almost have, have significant problems in categorization of what people buy. Okay, and then is and you know then that's just a start. We I did did some work with Oriental Trading years ago, and they had their inventory master organized by the material that an item was made out of. So they had ceramic, a category for ceramic, a category for glass, <clears throat> category for uh, for metal, plastic, <clears throat> and it was because the buyers were organized that way. <clears throat> so their inventory master was organized that way. But you wouldn't want to organize your customers that way, right? It wouldn't make any sense at all. So even when you've been at it a while, your definition of your target audience might be a little elusive let's just say and you may not be able to pull the list out that way right part of what we do for clients is um so for baseball express and i've told this before i called him up one day and i said um, you know do you do business to business do you ever think about business to business they said no we're strictly consumer <clears throat> i said okay well who buys these four thousand dollar pitching machines <laughs> and they said well you know leagues and maybe colleges and even some major league teams you know and i said oh okay um did you ever consider those to be business to business no we're strictly consumer anyway they'd never thought about themselves that way and so we we looked at what people who bought the pitching machines also bought and it turned out that they bought rosin bags and line chalk and which are very inexpensive and so we found an inexpensive item that would identify Someone who had a very serious baseball diamond. And we started targeting those with uh, outbound telemarketing, actually. We went right to that and found out that they didn't know that we sold uniforms and we sold a lot of other items that they could be buying from us. <clears throat> they usually liked us. And so we grew a multi-million dollar division within just a couple of years 
um, pretty close to double the size of the company just by identifying a new way of thinking, of categorizing our 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 uh, our items to identify them, but identifying a new target audience. <clears throat> and so, though this is seems obvious, it can be it can be very very lucrative. We've done that over and over and over with companies, uh, explaining that your definition may not fit either your resources, your categorization, you know, or the way you target. Uh, so Wyndham Hill Records, um, they 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 flew me out, you know, to, to, to visit. I do I do visits, you know, I have a sort of a canned visit your company, learn about it and see if I can help you improve. And so they flew me out and they said, you know, we we rent mailing lists uh, and we mail a little catalog. And they said, it doesn't do well, but we know that it drives traffic to stores, retail stores, though we can't really track it. But, you know, anecdotally, we people write back and say, you know, they love the catalog and they went to the store. So I said, well, what, are you, what kind of lists are you renting? And they said, well, uh, we're renting because of our, our profiling, uh, which says that our, our, our buyers are men, 35 to 55, high income and high education. Those are our main customers for our music, sort of new age music. <clears throat> and I said, oh, okay. He said, but those lists do terrible. I said, hmm, did, did it ever occur to you that maybe you'd be better off targeting the people that like your music? Well, what, how would we do that? I said, well, you, how many of these little CDs do you get rid of in a year? And they said, well, about four million. I said, why don't you just put a little card in there that says we have a free catalog, you know. <laughs> Give us your name and address and stuff. And they did. And we generated 600,000 names, which was, I think, more than they had been used to even printing. And from that, we got a 15% response, which was 90,000 new catalog buyers, just from putting a little card in the in the CDs. So redefine their audience, not really, but changed the way we looked at it and made them, I think they sold to BMG for 50% of the, the remaining 50% of their shares for 17 million. So we made them a quick 17 million, made the owners and that was nice. But anyway, point is, <clears throat> it's not so easy, okay? And then the next, so what you wanna do is, if you're starting out, you wanna try, try a few things. Try a, a wide variety of scope so that you can get a picture of what the market tells you, so that the market can tell you who the audience is, because you may completely misunderstand the audience. And I could tell you story after story after story where that's true. So you don't really define your target audience. Your audience defines itself. And if you have broad enough testing in the beginning, you can identify that. Um, yeah, oh, another, I, yeah, I can give you another story, but I don't want to, I better, I better go on. Okay, so then crafting your message, <clears throat> that's some, a lot of times people will say craft the offer first. Think about the offer, you know, what are you selling? Uh, what's the price? You know, uh, are you going to give away, are you going to give away a free gift with it? Or are you going to give away an extra 10% if they shop now? Is it going to be exclusive? Is it going to be a limited time offer? <clears throat> is it going to be a product that isn't available in stores? You know, there's so many th ways to define your offer that usually people will, the next step, they'll start thinking about their offer. <clears throat> and then after they think about the offer and how they're going to craft that, then they'll 
work backwards to the message. Uh, designing your mail pieces number four, <clears throat> you know that could be that can be way down the list because um, and is it is it uh, Andy? Andy says consider using high quality images, bold headlines, and clear calls to action. I'm a big fan of clear call to action. Okay, all too often, you know. <laughs> USPS brought me into to uh, Oakley sunglasses, and they were going to try some mail. And they handed me the the prototype mail piece, and I said, "Well, there's no call to action. There's no way to respond. There's no response device. <clears throat> call to action is a little different than the response device, but you couldn't find it. It was buried in the body copy." They said, "Yeah, there is. It's right here." I said, "No, that doesn't count." You know, if you say visit our website as a call to action, which is down further in the in the in the uh, in the article, you know, make sure that the website is big enough. But even more important, put a QR code next to it so that you know people can get to it easily. Um, anyway, now we have choosing the right mailing list, and I think Andy's right in differentiating the market from the mailing list because sometimes. You know, I did work with Marion Merrill Dow uh, reaching the Cardizim patients. Well, you couldn't get a list of Cardizim patients, HIPAA and all that. <clears throat> so, you know, just because you know the target doesn't mean you can get a list of the target, right? Does that make sense? Right. So when you're thinking of the target up above, it belongs at the beginning, but it also has to have a, you know, you have to keep an eye on, well, how can we reach that target? And there may not be a good way or there may be a great way. You know, it just depends. It takes a little bit of creativity, but the mailing list is directly related to the target. Um, timing. Um, you know, this is, again, this is really important if it's like Christmas, seasonality, holidays. <clears throat> but uh, sometimes off market. Well, you know, I did work for Hirschner's, one of those come in and walk around back long ago. And we found that they're springtime buyers. A lot of people, they sell patterns for making gifts. So pre-Christmas is a big time for them. But the, the people that buy the patterns off-season were their best customers. Those are the people that really enjoyed the needlepoint and that kind of thing and would do it year-round. And so we found that there was a clear difference, a big difference, between the springtime and the fall buyers. And that's often the case. And if you're thinking about... Um, the timing and the seasonality. <clears throat> Sometimes you want to buy responseless. You want to buy lists of people that bought for, like if you're doing a Christmas offer, bought for last Christmas. Um, but oftentimes mailers think, well, I want the most recent buyers. Well, the most recent buyers and the holiday buyers might be completely different. And so sometimes it, it's more effective to mail the older names that are that fit the season that you're trying to hit. Uh, personalization, um, basically the rest of this, <laughs> and he just has like a list of, he just restates, personalize your mailing list. Personalize your direct mail piece can help to increase response rates. Perhaps. Consider using variable data printing, because Andy's a printer, uh, including the recipient's name and personalized offers and other personalized elements. And of course you want a personalized name and address. So, you know, but I talk to printers and they say only about 10% of their customers use, of their print customers, you know, their direct mail companies use personalization much at all, uh, very effectively, and most don't. Um, 
it's it's not it's not so easy because it requires you to have data that relates to the personalization. So anyway, I'll offer this up in the in the uh, WDMA.org. We also have a, a every show is a podcast up there on WDMA, but also it's available on Google Podcasts, on Apple, and on iTunes and Shopify. So if you like getting the news, the direct mail news, right up to date, uh, you can put that on your podcast list and listen in your car on the way to work or on the way home probably because it won't be up today's won't be up till later today or tomorrow but they are posting them and i and there are over 500 and you can search for interesting topics you might like and download them and have a great day bye-bye